Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars. you can support the show we are available on apple itunes soundcloud.com and on thehockeywriters.com located in the podcast channel of the website now here's your hosts mark allred and rob tomlin hello everyone's fans i'm mark and welcome back for the 41st episode of the black and gold hockey podcast brought to you by beast from the northeast sports clothing company the great people at beast from the northeast pride themselves on using the highest quality apparel to showcase their one-of-a-kind designs that you won't find anywhere else for a special listener discount go to beastfromthenortheast.bigcartel.com and enter promo code black and gold for a 15% discount off your future order now time to start the show by introducing co-host rob tomlin rob how the hell are you i'm good buddy how are you i'm doing all right even though Last week was just a um, kind of an abomination of uh, yeah. Bruins hockey. I was not impressed by the start of the week, um, and towards the end, it, it it seemed to get a little better. But still, zero three on the week is uh, unimpressive to me. And as the team sitting in the third place in the Atlantic Conference right now, um, there's a lot of teams that are really creeping up. And if the Bruins yeah. lose today um, and other teams do whatever they do um, today or tomorrow, they could be completely out of the playoff picture. Yep. I mean, it, it's not looking good with the game in, games in hand that other teams have. Um, and they're just... They're not playing like they should be. For the, for the like top six 
forwards that we have, we should be putting up more of a fight against teams. So uh, it wasn't enjoyable hockey this week. Absolutely not. And it, and it started with another depressing home loss. And as I say a lot, man, I really feel bad for those guys, those people that pay thousands of dollars to see this team. But yeah. uh, Monday they got shut out by the New York Islanders. Uh, they're out of it. They're completely out of it. They're in the, um, the last place in the Eastern Conference, and they can't get a goal, which was I just thought was pathetic. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It's just, it, like, I, like I said, it, it's just not good enough from them. Like, the effort's not there. It just seems like... When you see them in the press conferences, it just seems like it's not even really phasing them. There's no emotion. It's just kind of, like, rehashed excuses every single time. I, and I, you, you just see... Yeah, the amount of times I have heard we weren't ready this season is just shocking because you should always be ready. There's not a time where you shouldn't be, so I don't get what's going on. I agree. And um, for an Islanders team that was obviously ready to play the Bruins and shut them out 4 to nothing, uh, turn around after that game and they fire their coach. Yeah. <laughs> Which made no sense to me. That's got to be the worst thing is to, is to be a, an NHL coach and you lose your job on a winning note. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's the opposite. When you when you suck and you have a really bad game, you know, that's the time to let you go. But I guess that's how Garth Snow works on the island. Yeah, but at the same time, they're having an awful year as well. Right. And and for the players that they have, there's no excuse. So they're oh. not like, especially if the leave if the Leafs are doing what they're doing with their forward core being so young, then you think that a team like the Islanders should be doing a lot better than they are. And, I mean, I'd, I'd hate to see what some of the Islanders fans are saying right now from what I've seen from the Bruins fans. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, it's, so. their offseason was interesting, and I, I hate to get into Islanders talk, but, you know, when you make moves that you have to, I guess, have to be made, it's tough to think about. I, I believe they... they Moved 150 points from three or yeah. four players over the summer, and that's hard to recoup from. Yeah. So, and it's just, especially if you don't know the guys in the system to fill the spots, which is kind of what the Bruins have done for quite a long time, where it seems they move guys that they can't fill their place. It's only recently that they started moving guys off that they can replace, like getting rid of the Merlot line and kind of having guys that can step right up into that fourth role. But, true. I mean, it, it, it's one of them, like, everyone at the moment is calling for a trade or, well, they're calling for a big trade, not just a trade. Like it need, Apparently it needs to be a blockbuster one, which is more, what most of the fans say. And then the other half are saying to fire Claude. And yeah. I don't think either of them are right. Yeah, we'll touch on the Claude um, yeah. issue a little later. Um, but Wednesday night, uh, I thought that the team responded really well from any message that was being sent from coaching or management because um, 
on Monday they 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 schedule they canceled their practice, which everybody thought the speculation was brought up that you know Claude's going to be fired. Yeah. But went into Wednesday, and I and I got to tell you, I saw the best first period I believe of this season, and yeah. I thought that things were going to turn around. But then after the first twenty, the Bruins come back on the ice at the Joe, the, their last game at the Joe, and and just. Yeah. Didn't have anything for the last forty minutes, and nope. it was that was a real, real hard game to watch. And, yeah, but it, it it's like the past the past four games we've had, like the first periods being good, and the amount of like fans that I've seen saying this is playoff hockey during the first period, like this is intensity, this is what you want, and then. Halfway through the second period is where the wheels fall off. Yep. And then in the third, it just looks like if they go down by two, that it it seems like half the team think, "Oh, that's it. There's no point in trying." I agree. So. I agree. And on Friday, Friday night, um, I was hoping it would be a better night because uh, we went out and celebrated my wife's uh, 43rd birthday. Happy birthday, Courtney! And, um, it was, it was, believe it or not, it was not a bad game. I, yeah. I kind of thought when we talked about last week about this, uh, the upcoming schedule, um, that this would be kind of like this because the Bruins are always apt to step up against teams that are higher and above them. Yeah. So to come out with a one, nothing loss, and it, it killed me to watch that another game lost with like under two minutes. You know, it was that was the killer. I thought we we're going to at least get a point because that seems to be the the the, the trend we're going on right now is just scraping yeah. away and getting you know one point. But they they end up losing one nothing in regulation and and that, that was just it was just one like like Claude Julian said it was just one mistake. It was bad. Bad decision for an icing that late on in a game, and it it leads to a goal. So yeah. and bad coverage. I mean, yeah, and it, it's it is just one of them. It's the way the puck bounced and the way everyone was just in the right spot at the right time. It, it's it's one of them that it's a killer, especially that late on when it's hard to like. If you got five minutes left, there's time to get a bit of momentum and play some like good hockey in the offensive zone but what was the left like two minutes 30 I, if that. I, I thought it was a minute 30 oh a minute and 30 so even less like you you've got to get in the zone which is hard enough to do in the last minute anyway because teams will just stack up on the line and do nothing like they'll just block you from getting in and then you've got to get in the zone set up and get your goalie out and get an extra player in by the time you do that, there's less than a minute left. Yeah, it's one of them. Yeah, you've you've killed you've killed the game. If you lose your momentum that late on, I think you're just dead in the war. So, but but like you said, it was a good game, and there was good flashes from people. Uh, that Ryan Spooner hitting the post short side. Huh. That that was a bullet of a shot. Yes, it was. And, and it's good to see him shooting and it not on the power play. Right. Like on five on five, you don't see him shooting that much. But I mean, 
he took the puck, realised that no one was going anywhere near him, turned and fired, and that would have been a nasty goal if he'd have scored that. But and there was chances by other people as well. It was a really close game to be to be honest. There was probably more chances for Boston. So just one of them games. I think that's the most playoff type hockey that we've played in a long time. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you know, another team that they, they do outstanding against, but they just can't get it together with teams that are lower in the standings. Yeah. But uh, looking at the week ahead, uh, there's another week of three games um, today. They're playing in Pittsburgh currently right now and 0-0 in the first period with 14 minutes left. Yeah. Um, and then they play Detroit again at home. And they play Pittsburgh again, and this time at home. So um, definitely uh, some work ahead of them with these three games. And the one thing I wanted to really touch on with you is, um, you know, Tuesday and Thursday's games this week are, are, are both home games at TD Garden. And you know how you know how bad they've, they've been playing the past couple of seasons. Oh, yeah. um, but... Uh, I misplaced my notes, but um, the, the scary thing for me, I mean, the Bruins are in the playoff position right now, and that's all well and good. They're, they're, they're clinging on with, like, fingertips. But yeah. the, the suck thing for me to think about is 19 of the remaining 32 regular season games are going to be played at home. Yeah, and if, you, if you're losing... As many of the as they have this year and last year, you're struggling to keep in that playoff picture. I know, and it's just looking at that and looking at the position they're in. I gotta say, I mean, just just from their home record this season is ten, twelve, and zero. And thinking about those nineteen remaining games at home. You know, if 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 you can't beat teams that are below you in the standings and bottom feeders, and you can't get a game together in front of your own fans that are paying thousands of dollars, then I honestly cannot see them making the playoffs this year. And I hate to be the Debbie Downer of you know Bruins fans. I always hope the best for them. I really do. But when you look ahead and you look at the product on the ice lately, it just doesn't add up to me. Yeah. Uh, the. The major thing is with them being home games and like you said with us having such a bad home record I mean you could play against worst team in the league like we did with the Islanders and you you, you can't call those games like you can with some of the away games where you play the bottom of the league at their home and you go yeah well we can probably win that game but when it's when it's home there's so much uncertainty at the moment I mean, um, I, I just don't know what's going to happen right now, um, unless they do something to shake the team up. And I think you're best off starting by scratching some of the bigger guys. I think that's the. I think without firing Claude, that is the best way to go about it. Is sit a guy like Krejci, sit a guy like Bergeron who aren't putting up points to the money that they're getting paid anyway. Mm-hmm. 
send send the team a message if you're not playing. Or even even better, put Bergeron on the fourth line. Yeah. Like that'll send more of a message than scratching him. Put put three of the guys on the fourth line, put Krejci, Bergeron and Pasternak on the fourth line and let all the other guys share ice time in the top six. Like that'd really send a message to the team saying, "Look, either play or play to your play to your paycheck, or we're gonna find ways of shipping you out." Right. That's... And I hate to say it when Bergeron's in the equation, but I mean it's gonna come down to that if they keep losing this way because I know fans are saying they want a full rebuild, but a full rebuild means you're gonna have to try and find a way to get rid of a guy like Bergeron a guy like Krejci, and I mean, I was saying to someone the other day, these guys aren't going to want to leave. They're not going to want to waive the no-trade clause. Mm-hmm. They've got roots in Boston. They've got family in Boston. They've been, they were drafted by Boston. All, all they know is this team. So I, I don't think you're going to be able to just say to them, look, we want to waive you. And then... Some fans said to me, "Yeah, but there's you can ask for certain, like a list of teams, but those teams have to want to trade." Yeah, it's not as simple as just going up to them and going, "Oh, we'll give you, uh, let's say David Krejci for a fourth round pick." Yeah, they'll take that, but we come out on the bad end, and the fans will say that we lost. Yeah, but yeah. you you can't go up to a team and say, "Here's Bergeron, give me four first round picks," because they're not going to do it. And and also keep in mind, uh, you know, we we do have a very well versed, intelligent uh, listeners. But these this list of uh, teams that are presented are, are supposed to be done before the season starts. So it's yeah. definitely not during the season where you can look at standings and say, "Hey, this is where I want to go." This is you know what I mean. So that yeah. list has to be um, definitely before the season. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Yep. So, I mean, and... just touching back on the home record, I just, I just real quick. The yep. last time the, the Bruins had a really good home record was uh, 2013-14 when they went 31-7-3. That's that, that's an outstanding year. Obviously, they went on to a um, a long playoff run. I believe was that the Chicago Stanley Yeah, Cup? that was yeah game six. Okay. Yeah. And then the next year they didn't have a bad record. Uh, 2014-15, they went 24-10 and seven. That's that's respectable in front yeah. of your home crowd. But 2015-16, that's when everything really started going bad. When they did, uh, they went 17, 18, and 6. And like I said um, earlier, this year already they're um, 10, 12, and 0. So the trend is not going the right direction. So, yeah. When you're below 500 at home and you're not a rebuilding team, that's not a good sign. Right. So, and especially if you've. You're not a rebuilding team, and you've just signed a plus thirty-year-old guy to a five-year contract at six million a year. <laughs> yeah, not not great to show your home fans that kind of game. So, and I I feel I feel so bad for some of the fans that have 
talked to me about having season tickets. And I just can't believe, first of all, how much how much they pay for season tickets, some of them. It's crazy. Especially especially if you want good seats. Yep. I mean, some of them tickets are insane, but Indeed. it's just... It's, I, I, I couldn't think of anything worse, though, than I've seen people from Canada, people from all over the world saying that they've travelled all the way there to watch the Bruins and they've lost. Yep. It's and sad. put on a put on a poor performance and lost, not just like, oh, it's one nothing like the Chicago game. I wouldn't mind seeing that in in real like in person, but I mean I wouldn't like to see us get blown blown out for nothing and right. pay to get all the way there. So yeah. Uh, speaking of fan frustration, um, uh, a longtime listener, Hollis Jackson, uh, he's from Alabama, which is surprising. We, I mean, we get people from all over the world, but um, Alabama is certainly an interesting place to, to find your Bruins hockey. Yeah. Um, just going to read this off uh, real quick, what he said. This is frustrating because there seems to be no direction for the franchise. This is a rebuild, youth movement, or what? The only thing that seems obvious is that band-aids aren't fixing the problem that exists, and the wound is now a gaping one. With that said, my thoughts are, one, to evaluate the coaching staff. He loves Claude, but can he reach reach these guys? If not, who can? Two, identify the core to build around. Bergie, Pasta, Marchand, Bacchus, Chara, question mark. Carlo, Krug, Rask, identity, who has value on the market, Krejci, Spoon, and McQuaid, or Kevin Miller, cut or buy out non-producers like Hayes, uh, invest in your youth like Zarnik, Schaller, as well as the guys in Providence, uh, the Ontario Hockey League, the Quebec Major Junior, and the uh, Western Hockey League, and the NCAA. I think fans would feel much better if they could see a roadmap for the future. I feel much better about losses like last night uh, if it could be blamed on growing pains rather than incompetence, complacency. And that was it. Thank you, Hollis, um, for, for the, uh, the email. We appreciate you reaching out. And we're gonna, I'm yeah. going to touch on that. I mean, <clears throat> That is an awesome email, by the way. Because yeah. it's not just like, what do you think of the situation that's going on right now? It's kind of in-depth, wanting to know. That's the kind of emails I like where yeah, it's... Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and and we encourage you, if you it, please, send us an email at uh, blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com. If you get a good one like Hollis Jackson sent us from Alabama, we'd love to read it. And and he touches on some really good points as a fan. And, and the one that I really uh, gravitated to is the direction and... You know, you know how Don Sweeney said that you know this is growing pains. Be patient. Yeah. That doesn't tell me or a lot of other Bruins fans where they're going. It just yeah. it just tells me that you're working on it without ex- yeah. without any explanation. Like, like hidden messages It's kind of like, don't worry, we've got a plan, but we're not going to tell you. Exactly, and and we we all understand that not all Bruins fans can be in the same room with these guys as they're making decisions. But you know, as a fan, you should be able to give us a little bit saying where you'd like to go, where you want to be, 
You know, I mean, because I still get the feeling that a lot of Bruins fans think that this is going to be a, a long cup run because Jeremy Jacobs said it was going to be. Yeah. And, and, and I, I just want management to, to, like, get these guys down to reality and let them know that it's not going to happen. Relax and, and ride this through as we're doing the same. Yeah, I, I wish Sweeney had the balls to just walk up to the Jacobs and be like, look, Current situation, we're not going to make the playoffs. Let's sell. Yeah, it'll it'll hurt ticket sales for the next few years, but then you're back in the cup sooner rather than later. Because if it keeps going like this, it's going to hurt ticket sales long term. So I mean, if you keep if you turn into New Jersey of the past five years, you, you're really going to hurt your ticket sales. If you're going to be one of them teams that's like middle of the lottery, never going anywhere, no point. Yeah, another Either, 14th. Yeah, another 14th pick, like you're saying, just just miss the playoffs, oh well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I like the way Sweeney's doing it at the moment because he's had the balls to go out and trade some of the bigger name guys. And I guarantee that Jacobs didn't like some of them trades that have happened, um, especially in getting getting guys back, kind of like Colin Miller, who didn't really have a name around the NHL. Like not a lot of fans would have known who he was. Um, and a guy like Sean Curley, who you didn't even get to see for a year, and mm-hmm. no one knew who he was. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're difficult trades to kind of give to the fans and say, look, this is a long-term deal. But if you look at them, we kind of got steals with them because, like, Colin Miller in a first-round pick, great deal. I, I believe so, too. And then you got, what, you got another first-round pick? Um, yeah, because you traded Martin Jones off. Yeah. And so that, that that's the, two first-rounds and a Colin Miller. That was the Trent Frederick selection. Yeah. And I, I think <laughs> there's there's more prospects in the past two years than there has been in the past like four years prior to that I think with the guys that he's brought in through free agency like Austin Zarnik and Nolichari and Frank Petrano I think that that is the best way to add to the prospect pool without selling off guys for picks mm-hmm. which is good um Here's a good idea. If anyone's listening who has anything to do with the Bruins and can pitch them an idea, drop the whole behind the B program because we I don't think anyone really cares about it anymore because you're not really seeing much. Um, do a program about prospects. Show, show us what's going on with some of the prospects because they're scattered so far. Like you've got American guys, you've got Swiss guys, you've got uh, Swedish like they're all over the world. Like, just make a program about that. I think that'd go down better than behind the B. Yeah, and as as much as Rob and I do uh, try to update the best that we can, you know, because there is a lot of people reach out to us and say thank you for the the prospect updates because you know they're not they're able to do this, but you know, from hearing it from us, they like. And, and yeah. I, I think the Bruins should get more in-depth and stuff like that. 
You know, let the do what we're trying to do is let people know ahead of time. You know, you know, get these the fans educated on players that are in the depths of the uh, development system now. So when they yeah. come up, you already have a great base of of intelligence on this player, and not who who is this guy? Why is he in? You know, so I mean, that's one thing that I really try to excel at, and, and always try to get into our program because it is important. Yeah, and it gives you an idea of like people have been. <clears throat> saying about why don't they trade a guy like Zabor or why don't they trade a guy like Lawson? Why don't they trade these guys that are like in the juniors right now? But there's also scouts out there and like ex players out there saying that these guys could jump into the NHL next season. Mm-hmm. Like that's how well they're playing. So that that's one of the reasons that these guys aren't being traded. Also for the fact that Don Sweeney believes I truly believe he believes in the rebuild. Mm-hmm. Like oh, he yeah. really thinks that it this this should be a full rebuild. Right. But, say it. <laughs> yeah, but with the Jacobs, you might as well like sign your resignation while you're saying it. Because the they're about the money. They want the ticket sales. Yeah, no, that's true. So I mean, I think he's doing the best possible job he can. And I know a lot of people don't see it that way. But I think with who the people that he's got to deal with in the background, he's doing a great job for it. Yep. Yep. I wouldn't want to have to deal with all that pressure of like, because you've got Neely and then you've got the Jacobs and you've got God knows whoever else plays behind the scenes in that organization because it always seems like there's someone else. So, yeah. Hey, and a follow up on uh, on the prospects, um, and you're talking about the NCAA. Yeah. Here's a fun fact for you. The top four NCAA men's hockey point leaders, top of the top of the standings, are all undrafted. Yeah, I saw that post the other day. Isn't that and that amazing? is shocking. Yeah. And but that's gonna like imagine going into free agency next season. Mm-hmm. Like this these NCAA guys and then you look around the league at who's given these kind of guys ice time in the big leagues. What's the one team who's playing a lot of college talent? Bruins. Bruins. You're absolutely right. So I, if I was a college talent and I was a free agent, I'd be looking at the Bruins right now going, there's my best bet for getting to the NHL. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but at the same time, there's also guys that I'd like to keep hold of that kind of <clears throat> like guys that are only on AHL deals, which I'd love to see on two way deals and get a chance at the Bruins. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, <laughs> we've got Matt Bartowski down in the AHL who's playing better than some of the NHL defensemen. Yeah, but he's only on an AHL contract. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I mean. I'd love yeah. to have him on a two-way deal, and he could have been up for the past ten games playing while the Millers are out injured. See, but... it's, it's funny. It's funny about the Providence when you talk about Barkowski and the and the Providence Bruins, like him and Tommy Cross are the veterans on on the decor. Yeah, and they're playing the 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 third pairing every game. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird. But, I, I think that's because the the giving the youth that chance now, right? Because right. didn't cross for the past three years. I'm pretty sure Cross has played top pairing, 
uh yeah this in year, providence this year it's been just a little different yeah so i mean it seems like they're giving the youth that kind of chance i mean playing debrusque on the first line was kind of i didn't expect that to start the season mm-hmm. um i know i know other players have had that chance on the first line as well but so like th- there was players on the ahl that i didn't expect to see any point production from this season and they have so it's it's a really good sign and the way that they've mapped out the team where they've got kind of veterans throughout on the forward core and then on the defense they've kind of gone right younger guys you show us what you got and then the veterans are the solid third pairing where they're not playing as many minutes but they can be put in in certain situations so right on you know I, I, we're gonna talk about I know it's my favorite player and your favorite player uh, Tuka Rask um, yep. We are we are big huge fans. We always say it, but I, I got to talk about him lately because I'm not impressed with a lot of the the things that I've seen, and I'm concerned. I'm not going to stop being a fan, and I'm not going to trash him, but I'd like to talk about it. Yeah. I just I get the feeling that he's. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast Channel, available at. TheHockeyWriters.com. He's playing down to the level that he's seeing in front of him, and I don't really like that. I don't like want... he's just got fed up of yeah. what he sees. Yeah. You know, along with the fans, I mean, along with the uh, the rest of the team too. It's like when you hear them in the locker room, they seem down, uninterested. You know, it's it, you know, it. I don't want to put the blame on him. He has been giving up some really bad goals. But I've also seen him play better when the defense was better and the forwards were somewhat scoring when they do this year. But yeah. as you know, I just I'm I'm not seeing positive things in his game at this particular point of the season, and it, it it's kind of frightening to me going into you know the air quote playoff year. You know if, if they actually make it, is it because yeah. I, I mean there's factors there that I mean is it because he's getting too worn out? Is it? It's just lack yeah. of interest, or I I think it's I really think it's getting worn out. Like he must have played more games so far this season than he did last, because Jonas Gustafsson was playing like steady backup minutes, and no one this season's played steady backup minutes. So I I think I think he's definitely worn out. I think he's fed up. Um, but it seems to be the veteran guys that are making the mistakes. Like, you, even though I praise Adam McQuaid and I do say he's a good physical defenseman, it, he's made some bad plays the last two games. After having a stretch of like five good games, um, it just seems like when they get when they get further into the zone and closer to the goaltender, that's when they start making the mistakes. And you can see the frustration in Rask every time, like like cross crease goals and backdoor like tappings. He's sick of them, mm-hmm. and that's that's how we seem to be getting beat. It's not shots from out high; it's shots from in close. Right, and with guys like Chara, 
Carlo, Kevin Miller, Adam McQuaid, those physical type of players, that the front of the net should be clear. Right. But it doesn't seem like anyone wants to put their hands on anyone. Yeah, I know. It's, it's... I don't know if it's fear of getting a penalty with these like bizarre new penalties that keep getting called. Right. Like, did you see that Radko Gudis hit um, that got called the other night in the Flyers game? I didn't. He, he put a hip check on a guy. Perfectly legal hip check. And he got called for a penalty. <laughs> and I think it was... I think he got called for clipping. But it, it wasn't. It was hip on hip. So, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on around the league. But I think... For next year, um, on ice officials need to be kind of checked and, and seen what's happened this season, and kind of demote some guys to the AHL because it, it's not good. Yeah. Everyone's complaining about the refs this year. Yeah, it is terrible. I'm not. Yep. I'm not impressed at all by the zebras, as, as many call them. But uh, recent news. Just, What's up? Just quickly. Go ahead. Just quickly before that, I, I'm looking at the um, the Boston the box score for the uh, Penguins Bruins game. Yeah, I was right just now. about to touch on that too. Eleven shots for the Penguins, three for the Bruins. Yep. Three shots, all like 15 minutes of the first period. And what's even worse than that is the uh, the first period has ended early. In today's Pittsburgh Penguin Bruins game, as there's six minutes and 32 seconds left on the board, they both teams have left for the locker rooms because of ice conditions. Uh, oh, great. Yeah, I know. Jack Edwards just tweeted, still working on the ice in Pittsburgh. They'll flood it after the patch sets. Teams will play 626, one minute break, switch ends. Uh, that it, that hasn't been seen in a while. What ice conditions? I mean, like stopping over five minutes early and reflooding the ice. Right. I haven't seen that in a long time. So I think uh, that's like three years ago. The last time that happened, I think. Yeah. Three or four seasons ago. So it, it almost seems like ice conditions are really weird this season or being well more known remember the carolina game where they couldn't play because it was it was too, yeah, too soft it, yeah it got rescheduled for the end of the year right and then the barclay center yeah <laughs> so what a joke right yeah well oh. in in uh in the recent news uh, like i we said earlier in the um in the in our talk about um, the schedule uh, the week ahead and the week prior. Yeah. Um, there were two um, scheduled practices that were canceled. Yeah. And speculation came out that Claude's job was on the, on the line. So on Saturday, he came out and addressed. Now, now this is the weird thing. Like the, the, the Boston media, this is what pisses me off about Boston media, is... I, I know I go online and I get the schedule for the week because yeah. there's a lot of times that I go I go to practices and see when I when I'm available I'll go so I get a, a schedule printed out so it tells me 
what games are, when they're going to be there, and when Claude's availability is. So yeah. I knew on Saturday that his availability after practice was to address the media. It was yeah. scheduled a week prior. And people in media thought that it continued to um, throw out that this was a special um, presser. And, yeah. and it was going to be talked about that he was going to lose his job. So it w- was not a special presser. It was a scheduled conference. So th- the media really blew it out of proportions. But uh, yesterday, uh, Claude Julian addressed the media and, 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 w- and talked about um, his his job being on the line and is he on the hot seat and uh, I just want to read a couple things that I got from uh, from what he said. Uh, Claude said, "Am I worried about my job? No, I'm not, because I'm not. It's not my job to worry about it. My job is to fix things, like I mentioned. I think my job is to coach this team and try to do everything I can. And if I become one of the reasons that we're not doing well, then." I think management should make that decision. It's not my decision to make. I'm not quitting on this team. I'm not quitting on anybody. I'm not quitting on management. I'm willing to go through the hard times, and I said that at the end of last year, it's deemed my fault that I shouldn't be here. I I still think we're a playoff team, whether we can do it or not. We'll know at the end of the year, but my job is still to do everything I can to get us into the playoffs, and that's what I'm, I'm going to do. So as far as the rumors are concerned, they're out there. I know that, but I don't worry about it because worrying is a waste of a lot of my time, and my time is about trying to fix things here. So, I, <laughs> you know what? I'm not a I'm not a huge Claude fan. I'm really not, and and I'm pretty sure that our listeners understand that. But I under, I do understand his value here. I believe he's a great coach. I believe that he's done some great things that I you can never forget about. But I still believe that even though he says all that stuff there, he's not the right person. And yeah. I, I just, and what I'm saying is, I mean, he, yes, he's the right person for the now, but is he the right person for the future? I don't, I don't like his, I don't like the, the turmoil that's going on between him and Neely and Sweeney and players. Something's going on there that needs to be changed. And I believe a positive kick in the ass would be to say, you know, either replace him or do something because there's no positive things are coming out of the team right now yeah but at the same time like i think that sweeney will go about this the right way and he'll leave him until the end of the season but i think he'll talk with coaches that that contract their contracts are coming up at the end of the season i think he'll talk to them and say look are you interested in a job in boston if you are like let us know so we can like sort things out because I don't think there's anyone ready to step in right now I I don't think there's anyone who can be hired and I don't think it's a good idea giving it straight to Cassidy I just I just think it's a bad idea firing Claude now kind of having a shambles of a 
team for the rest of the season. It's only going to hurt people. Like it's going to frustrate people. Guys whose contracts are coming up might decide to walk because of how the how everything's going down. I mean, I'd rather see them just ride out the season. If it's another fourteenth overall pick, then so be it. But I mean, they've got they've got the um, expansion draft to worry about as well. So that's extra pressure. I can agree with that. I yeah. you know and and if he stays he stays that's fine we have a yeah. reputable coach that's that's involved and has been here for a while that's great but if he's not gonna go then what's the motivating factor for this franchise it, it's got to be a trade if if the yeah. if the Bruins believe in him I, and I believe it's just Don Sweeney from the reports that I've read and I'm not saying they're true or not and it's it's just rumors at this point. Was Neely's not a a Julian guy, and yeah. Neely feels that they're, 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 those two are going over his head and talking to management and not doing the whole flow as management would be. So, uh, you know, if, I just want to see something happen, and I, I and I also don't want to see the wrong thing happen. So if, if Julian stays and Sweeney is now forced to make a huge deal. It, you know, hopefully it's going to be the right one that doesn't cost us a lot because, you know, you've seen in the past trades the returns have been dog shit. Yeah, but this is why I don't want them rushing into anything. This, especially this early on before the trade deadline, you're not going to really find any bargains. I don't think. Like the the best bargains are the last minute deals where a team is worried that they're not going to be able to sell in time. Right. So, I, I mean, you've got guys around the league. I mean, if you're looking to fill up on forwards, there's potentially there's guys like uh, Thomas Vanek from Detroit. Who's been year. putting up, yeah, putting up points, just not on a great team. So imagine what he could do on a better team. Um and plus, he's always killed the Bruins. Yeah. Every time he plays us, so it'd be good to have him on our side and not kill. Well, he could end up killing us, but um, <laughs> it's a gamble. I mean, th- yeah. There, there's everyone says we need a pure scorer, and there's there's Vanek who's a pure scorer. There's Redim Vibata. Uh, he's a pure scorer. Yeah, or um, known to be one. Billy Billy Jaffe's really high on him getting him to Boston. He'd love to see that guy in, in Beantown. Yeah, I, I think he'd do really well, especially, especially on the power on play. Yeah, but I think he'd do well with Bergeron and Marshan because he is kind of a two way scoring forward. And he's like fast. he does. He, yeah, he can get back and make some defensive plays. So, I mean, he's not much of a shot blocker, but he's he's got wheels on him as well. So, right. and. I mean, if you're looking for defense as well, um, Kulikov didn't work out with the Panthers. He's on the block. Well, it seems like he's on the block. Uh, that could be a good guy to bring in if you're going to solidify that third pairing. Puck mover too. Yeah. Uh, you could even put him in Tory Krug's spot and drop Tory Krug. Put him on the third pairing. Or have Krug and Kulikov together and drop McQuaid down to the third pairing, which is the best possible option ever. Uh-huh. Um, there's choices to be made. Like, there's 
there's positions that can be filled there's stuff that you can do there's plenty of like uh, one that I saw the other day that I really really wish would happen is if they go and get Hutchinson back from the Jets you're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Because that guy could play back up. You saw Either. that? Yeah, apparently uh, Hutchinson is on the block for Winnipeg. Um, I wonder if that's because uh, Andre Pavlik uh, is brought back up and um, yeah. he's at starting to actually do well. Yeah, and th- there's talk of them. Um, is it Connor Hellebuck? Yeah, Hellebuck. Yeah, uh, there's talk of he's not been doing so well. Um, so and he can be it, brought down without waivers. Yeah, Hutchinson can't. Were, yeah, they were saying there's the possibility that they could trade Hellebuck if wow. because he's not working out. They could get a high return on him while he's still so young. Um, but at the same time, I'd love to see Hutchinson come back to the Bruins and back up. Because that, that's a guy who could back up for the next two or three seasons. You want to know why and, I want Hutch back? And it's a pure, it's purely a stupid reason, but he's a right-handed goaltender, and so am I. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I never get how anyone does that. What, being a right-handed goaltender? Yeah. What are you talking about? Some of the best are out there. I know, but to me, it's just it, it just feels so weird. Some of the best right-handed goaltenders are out there, and I can't even name one. I can. Uh, Steve Mason. Ah, come on. Some of the best. <laughs> uh, well, in some of his best games, he oh, has looked like one of the best. Yeah, I know. Especially now, against the Bruins. See, I, right-handed goaltenders, I go back to Tony Esposito. I mean, that wasn't in my time, but, uh, yeah. you know... Watching videos of him, um, another I want to say Matt Del Judas, former Bruin, was a right-hander. Um, Stefan Beauregard, he used to play for uh, the Winnipeg Jets. He was one of my favorites. A lot of no names, but you know they're out there. Wasn't um, oh, what was his name that played for Anaheim and he played for Jonas Hiller. No, Habi Bullen? No. no, not Habi Bullen. Um, oh, I can't think what his name is now. He played for the Jets as well, I think. And I'm pretty sure he was right-handed. But I can't remember his name now. Oh, He's yeah. famous for that Superman save in the playoffs. Oh. I can't even remember what his name is. Oh, I'll, I'll get back to you later with that <laughs> one. But I'm not going to waste the next 20 minutes of the podcast trying to remember a goaltender's <laughs> name. Right. Um, but, yeah, like... I was also gonna gonna hit up on this. Um, I'd just seen the lines from Jack Edwards, and I mean, this is a positive note. They they switched up the lines to start this game. Uh, Brad Marchand and Bergeron with Vetrano instead of Pasternak. Uh, Shallow Krejci and Pasternak. Spooner Nash and Bacchus, so demoting Bacchus to the third line. And Bolesky on the fourth with Dominic Moore and Austin Zarnick. They actually did the same, um, I believe, in the Detroit game when they started out so good. Yeah. And, and I mean, that fourth line looks awesome. Like, Bolesky, Moore, and Zarnick, that's. Moore and Zarnick have speed, they have hands, they've. Like, they can do stuff, and Bolesky is a 
is probably the best fourth liner you could have. Yeah. Um, and it's good, it's good the to only, have them back. Yeah, the the only person that I hate, I, I shouldn't say hate. It's not hate. The the one that I disapprove of is Nash playing the third line center role. Yeah. Because I just feel like he doesn't add to the team. Yeah, I, no value for me. And I was kind of disapp- when you've got Bacchus on the team as well, who's making six million. Right. He's a good face-off man. Why? Why are we not using this guy as our third line center? Yeah, and and when you look at the lineup, like you just mentioned, okay, some of those players that are underproducing, and then obviously yep. Matt Bolesky comes back for today's game. Uh, and like I said, it's good to have him back. It's good to have him back, you know, playing again. But it's it was really sad to see Anton Bleed go, and be yeah. demoted to Providence, while a player like Nash is still around. So. That was kind of but disappointing is, to me. It, it's good to finally see those kind of guys come up, though. Oh yeah. I mean, you can tell Bleed is gonna is the next Bruins agitator. Yep. Like that guy is proved that he can play a fourth line role. Will probably get that job next season. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, doing a great job of agitating teams, getting people going, getting them pissed off. Um, I really like his game. Um, and that that's a good sign when we're seeing guys like this come up for long stints. Yep. It's, it, it wasn't just like one or two games. I think he played ten. I think he played ten. a lot more. He went. He oh, went, maybe. I think he went up but, and he came back down and then came back up. Yeah, so. yeah, but you're could right. be wrong. But I mean, it's good seeing those guys getting good playing time, and I I, I really hope we see. Um, ke- uh, I can't think how to say his name now. Kellerick? Oh, Peter Kleherick? Kleherick, that's yep. it. I, I'd love to see him, like, get, like, a five-game, like, stint mm-hmm. some point this season, just see where he's at he's, against, like, he, bigger bigger talent. He's good. He's, he's been playing really good down in Providence, <laughs> and, he's, and he's putting yeah. on the points. And we'll definitely yeah. hit on that in the, uh, in the pro, uh, prospect profiles. Yeah. But I mean, like I've been saying, the we got guys like Zarnik up there this season, Petrano up there this season. They are using some of the youth. They've given Carlo the first pairing. I mean, it, it, I think Julian is starting to show signs of right. I've got to, I've got to go with the youth because we're in the middle of a retool. Yeah, I think he is showing signs of like helping this team out by adding youth to it instead of trying to use veterans. Plus plus now that it's um Don Sweeney, it seems like he's trying to ride out the older guys and kind of cycle in the old. Yeah. Kind of get get them out. And then you saw what he did with I know he brought Ronaldo in, but he did the right thing in he didn't buy him out, so he didn't use up one of the buyout slots. He realized that he wasn't making a difference, realized that he wasn't changing the way he played the game, sent him down to Providence. And to be honest, he's doing all right in Providence. Yeah, he's got a couple of goals. But he'll never see the NHL again. I'm... Not in a Bruins sweater. No. Unless it's like an emergency call-up where they need a guy who they can just chuck on waivers and not care about. Right. I don't see him ever suiting up for the Bruins ever again. 
Yeah. So, but he, he is doing the small things right. I think he does. I think he's a great guy at doing little things perfectly. I think when he gets to the bigger things, he panics. And I think he thinks about what are the Jacobs going to say? What are the fans going to say? What's like nearly going to say? Mm-hmm. And I think he ends up kind of panicking and then we get something like we did with Bacchus at five years for six million <laughs> and to to fans who pay attention that's not good to, to kind of the casual fans out there that don't really follow the players but like like to watch the hockey and follow the Bruins that, that's okay because you don't have to worry about the salary cap but on the line of the fans who put like put a lot into it, it that is a killer. Oh, that yeah. really is a killer. Sure. Is that, yeah. You know, salary cap's going to be... It, 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 the future of the salary cap for this team is always up in the air because the Bruins are so close to the ceiling, so adjustments have to be made. Cap casualties yeah. have to be made. It's it's just a part of business, that's all. Yeah. But And there's going to be some money coming off the board next season. Yep. So the cap's going to go down. It's not too bad. So. And hopefully. Well, we have to wait and see. We've got guys to sign, haven't we? So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's still a lot of work to do. But. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, do you want to take a quick break while I go through my uh, prospects? Yep. All right. Here we go. Down in the uh, American Hockey League in the Providence Bruins, the Baby Bees have played 41 games. They are 24-10-4-3 with 55 points. They're really doing good. Uh, like I said last week, they're, they're really stepping up to uh, what they did last season to be a second-half team and march into the playoffs. Uh, they're third in the Atlantic Division. They're third in the Eastern Conference. Uh, currently on a two-game winning streak uh, with a game today against Hartford um, with a 4-3 regulation win over Rochester on Friday and a 9-1 blowout win over the Lehigh Valley Phantoms last night. Uh, Baby B's honorable mentions, Peter Klaharik had uh, three goals over the weekend and is currently on a three-game point streak. This season in 35 games played, he's got 17 goals, 11 assists, 28 points. Jordan Swars had a goal... Had a goal and four assists in the last two games and is currently on a four-game point streak. This season, after 37 games, he's 10 goals, 20 assists, 30 points. Uh, Jake DeBrusque had a goal last night against Lehigh Valley and is on a two-game point streak. This season, after 41 games, 11 goals, 12 assists, 23 points. Uh, Sean Corrali had two goals in his past two games, bringing his goal streak to three games and points in his last seven games. This season, after 32 games, he's 8-8-16. East Coast Hockey League Atlanta Gladiators goaltender Dan Vladar has gone 1-1-1 since his return from the 2017 World Junior Championships and has given up 12 goals in in those three games. Uh, this season he's two two one all with three point six five goals against average and a one I'm sorry and a point eight 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 save percentage. Really hope he gets better. Uh, switching to the OHL, Zach Senishin of the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds had a goal in Friday night's five to four win over the Flint Firebirds. His last ten games, he's got nine goals, one assist, ten points. 
this season in 37 games played. He's got 28 goals, 12 assists, 40 points. Jumping to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Jeremy Lawson from the Varin Naranda Huskies had an assist in Friday night's 5-4 win over Sherbrooke. Uh, this season in 18 games played, he's got two goals, 11 assists, 13 points. Uh, staying in the queue, Jacobs Borrow of the St. John Sea Dogs had two assists last week and has a three-game point streak. I'm sorry, he has three points in his last four games. This season, after 28 games, he's got six goals, 16 assists, 22 points. Jump into the WHL, Jesse Gabriel, the Prince George Cougars, had a goal and two assists in last night's overtime loss to the Kamloops Blazers. The last 10 games for Jesse, he's got three goals, five assists, eight points. And in the last 10 games, he's amassed 48 penalty minutes, which is crazy. But uh, well, he's another agitator that's going to be um, um, on the Bruins sooner or later. But he's got skill, too. He reminds us of Malshan, and I know we mentioned it a lot. Uh, but after 38 games this season with Prince George, he's got 22 goals, 18 assists, and 40 points. The NCAA, kind of a light mention. I've only got two of them. Uh, Jakob Forsbacher Carlson of Boston University had a goal last Monday and two assists over the weekend to keep his point streak alive at seven games. Uh, in those seven games, he's got seven goals, four assists, 11 points. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Uh, this season, uh, he's got 10 goals, 14 assists, 24 points in 23 games played. And uh, first-round pick Trent Frederick of Wisconsin University had two goals over the weekend to bring his season-high point streak to four games. Uh, in those four games, he had two goals, three assists, five points. Uh, in the season, he, he's only played in 14 games, but has seven goals, 10 assists, and 17 points. And that's it for that. So, currently, right now, the Bruins are 0 0 with a mi- under a minute to go. And they'll take a quick minute break. And they'll be back on the ice soon after they had ice problems. But. Um, I might as well do this now. We get a lot of messages from uh, listeners saying they'd like to buy us a beer or wish they could do something for our time, so we found a way to do so. If you'd like to make a donation to our show every week, please go to www.patreon.com slash blackandgoldhockeypodcast to donate as little as a dollar per episode. We'd certainly appreciate anything our awesome listeners could do. That's www.patreon.com slash blackandgoldhockeypodcast. Welcome back, Rob. I am really sorry I muted my mic during that thing and I totally forgot to take it back off. Oh, no problem. No problem. It's all good. I, I started talking then realized that you couldn't hear me. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's, yeah, quite, it's um, quite all right. Yeah, I, I was just saying that um, I know, like... With players in the past that have been in juniors, they've been told to change kind of one aspect of the game and kind of try and bring something up to speed. Um, my question to you is, why, with Sinition, um, like you'd think they'd want more 
like assist totals out of him? Do you think they're just like trying to make a pure scorer out of him? Well, his, his, this is my personal <clears throat> opinion from my, the eye test that I get because I watch a lot of his games because yeah. he's the only Bruins prospect in the Ontario Hockey League, which is really cool because I can really focus on him during that league. It's tough yeah. for players like um, Zaboro and Larson that both play in the queue, so it's tough to like watch a lot Both of their games, games. right? Because yeah. they, you know, you know, a lot of the times they're at the same time. So I, I kind of choose yeah. one or the other. But with Sinition, um, he seems to me in the in his in his rookie season, he was a bottom bottom six role, like a fourth line yeah. role player, where he had to really earn his twenty six goals. Yeah, he wasn't looked on to be that player. Now, the next year, when he got his 46 goals, when he moved up to the top six, as a top six forward, that's when I believe the team kind of rallied around him to see what he can do for them. What I mean by that is they'd look for him to make things happen because even though the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds are a very deep team in depth and, you know, they they do have a lot of talent. But a lot of those players, they, they concentrate on three or four players that can get stuff done. And I believe that they always look for those types of players. So that's why I don't think that Seneshin is one of those players that will get a lot of assists. He's more of a finisher type. Now, with that being said, when he comes up to the AHL, when he's avail- he's, he's going to be eligible to play in the AHL next season, and if he does make the NHL, even better. But let's just take some slow steps here. In my opinion, I would like to see him go to the AHL Providence Bruins first to get a complete player, to be that complete player. So, yeah. you know, while he has the puck, he's not being relied on to be that finishing guy. He's going to be that person that can receive a pass, look, possibly make another pass, and then, yeah. you know, keep going east to west to um, offensively. So, that's, I mean, that's just kind of my thought and the eye test that I get. I mean, you know, we've all played hockey together, and a lot of the listeners have played hockey before. You know, if you have a player that's a little faster than your teammates and, 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 and skilled, you, you yeah, kind of, give the puck to him. You yeah. tend to want to gravitate the puck to him to see what happens, and I believe that's what's going on in uh, Sault Ste. Marie right now. Yeah, well, uh, you kind of answered another question that I was going to ask. Is, go uh, for it. I, I was going to say, do you think he should go straight to the NHL or to the AHL? I think yeah, you have the same feeling as me where I'd love to see him just get a year in the AHL because I, I'd love to see him... I've got a few ideas for him in the AHL, which was, first of all, see if his scoring is still there at that level, like uh, like they did with Vetrano, see if he's still scoring at the pace that he was in NCAA. <clears throat> um, it, it's good to... Um, it's also good to give him some chemistry with guys that are going to be up there when the team is like fully on the rebuild track. And by that, I mean, probably in the next three years, the Bruins are going to look a lot different. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to see him get like a bit of ice time 
with maybe Gabriel or like another left winger or centerman that's going to play with them. Um, and I mean, if it's someone like Jake Debrusque or um, if it's maybe like uh, one of like Peter Kleherik, one of those guys, it'd be good to like give him a year to play with that guy and maybe mm-hmm. try and form a bond. Um, also, while we're talking about like the AHL and stuff, one thing I've noticed is that do you think we really have any sentiment like in the organization outside of the NHL that are kind of destined for the NHL? Well, I want to touch on, on one of the questions you had prior. Um, yeah. With the right wing position at, at the NHL Bruins level, uh, pretty thin. And I, I say yeah. that with a Jimmy Hayes air quote. Um, <laughs> I if if he's bought out over the summer, and and the way that uh, CapFriendly.com projects it is, it will only take eight hundred sixteen thousand to buy him out. Yeah. If they do that, this could be a great opportunity for Sinishin to come in and and try out for that spot. Uh, obviously, yeah. obviously the the Bruins will probably have some PTOs in there. You know, they, like. They they should have done with um, uh, Lee Stepniak back when they had the opportunity to pick him up, but he then he you know went to New Jersey. Yeah. So that's a possibility. It all I believe it's all going to really depend on what they do with Jimmy Hayes over the summer, and he has one more year. Just keep that in yeah. mind. Yeah. Now, your other question, your centers. I honestly yep. think that. Sean Corrali is destined to be an NHL player. And I know if, you know, the listeners go to the AHL and look at this, the stats, they're not outstanding. They're not blow away. I got to get, we got to get him up here stats. Yeah. But if you watch his replays um, on a lot of the uh, stuff that I post on my uh, black and gold hockey page on Facebook, um, watch his replays, and he is that type of player that could definitely crack the system, uh, the team, and the Bruins. And he might start off on a fourth line role, but the potential to move up. Yeah. Whether it happens, it happens. But like I said, that's just you know that's my opinion from the eye test that I get. Yeah. Any, anybody I'd... else down in Providence right now? I'm not seeing, but I'm not saying they're not there. Yeah, um, I I know the main one for me, and through all the scouts that have talked about him, is probably JFK from Boston University. Oh, I'm um, sorry. I thought you were talking about Providence. Oh no, just just like oh, anywhere. In, okay, all in right. The organization, yeah. So right. even all the prospects. Um, to me, like, I, I'll I'll let you go back to it because I know you're dying to. But to me, like JFK. Um, Trent Frederick I think they're the two guys like uh, and Sean Curley as well I mean they're probably the three guys that I would see playing but uh, Curley to me is a guy who can option onto the wing like he's played left wing before so um, but JFK I see is a 
complete sentiment because he's known for his like face-off discipline and kind of being Bergeron too. So yeah, um, JFK has been. Uh, he's always been a good player. Yeah, even before he came over from Europe. Um, but when his his uh, freshman year last season, he got he got the real eye test of a lot of writers about being that Bergeron type player, yeah. and um, and he's exciting to watch. Uh, last oh, year, yeah. last year, I mean, he had decent numbers, uh, but it's his game, it's his game that's more outstanding than his stats. Uh, he's he's one of those players that um, can he's got speed, he's got skill. Uh, he's he, he's a defensive forward, uh, like Bergeron. Yeah. But uh, for him right now, I mean, this season he started off a little slow on the stats, but recently has really picked it up. I mean, yeah. I just I just mentioned that he's on a, um, I believe a seven game point streak. Yeah. So and he's a sophomore at BU. So I'm I don't see him making a a, a sudden impact in a year or two. I mean that. That all can change because you know how Sweeney is with the younger players, and yeah. he evaluates uh, and and what they did. Now I don't want this is this is another thing I wanted to talk about. Now that you brought it up because you're the king of Segway, um, <clears throat> I don't want them to do what they did to Danton Heinen. I believe now after the eye test of Danton Heinen in the AHL and the NHL, I believe he still should have stayed at Denver. Yeah, you know, I, I think he was rushed too much, and I don't want to see that with Charlie McAvoy. I don't want to see no, that I, with with um, Trent Frederick. I don't want to see that with JFK. You know, you got to protect them like them first, like first round and second round yeah. picks. and you know what kills me about and, and and you bring up another great subject about protection is there's a lot of people that I talk to on Facebook and 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 Twitter, and they're all deathly afraid. Of, of the prospects that are coming up through the NCAA because of what Jimmy Vesey did. Yeah. I mean, I call it the, I call it the Vesey disease. We didn't even yeah. have this player. He wasn't even a Bruins draft pick. But what he did to the, uh, the, the, the Nashville Predators, Nashville. Yeah. people, Bruins Nation are all like up, up in the air, like, I can't, we need to, they want to rush the signing and get him in the organization, or get them in the organization as soon as possible, so he doesn't do what Jimmy Vesey did. Yeah. Do you know what I find funny? Jimmy Vesey is a Boston kid, went to New York, um, and then you got McAvoy, who's a New York kid, went who's to Boston. To Boston. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I mean, that's a big middle finger to your hometown, right? <laughs> but at the same time. McAvoy was asked the question. Um, yeah, well, he was kind of pitched the question of like, "Oh, you're a you're a New York Rangers fan. You always have been since you're a kid." And he also mentioned the fact that he's loyal to whatever team picks him. Yep. So like like with Boston University, picked him to play. He's deadly loyal to them. Uh, Boston have drafted him and. You've got to believe that Boston are there in the background right now, like while he's at university. They must be like going and checking on him and going to talk to him and having meetings with him and kind of evaluating him while he's still at university. Oh, yeah. Like he's he's set for, well, 
uh, barring a like tragic injury, which I never want on anyone, um, he's set for the NHL. Like everyone has said, this guy is ready now to play in the NHL, kind of. Like I think he'd make an impact right now, but at the same time, I'd rather he had those two years, even two years at uni. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Um, and then see how much he progresses there, because scouts were saying how much he progressed in a season before mm. going to Boston. <coughs> sorry, before going to Boston University, they were uh, saying that his progression had gone gone up tremendously, mm-hmm. and I don't think he was even. At the beginning of last season, he wasn't even a first-round selection, I don't think. No, no, he definitely worked his way up the yeah. uh, central scouting rankings. And then to be compared to a Drew Dowdy, Drew Dowdy-type player at the end of the year. Right. And then going ahead and proving that when it comes to the um, the juniors championships. Um, that guy is... I didn't expect those type of hits coming out of him. Right. Like, when you see him as a player and you hear what type of player he is, you think kind of two-way, Chris Letang-type, smooth puck-moving kind of guy. And then you see some of the hits he lays down and you're kind of like, yeah, I can I can definitely see them like rebuilding the defense core around this guy. Sure. And apparently he's a great locker room guy, which... Thank God, because then they won't trade him away <laughs> and oh, go after a locker room guy. Speaking of a locker room guy, all I've heard, I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't heard, but I, all I've read after the 2017 World Juniors that obviously the U.S. Uh, won gold, He, yeah. a lot of the players, his teammates, really uh, mentioned Charlie as being a, a real locker room guy, an inspiration, yeah. you know, even though that he wasn't, he's a sophomore at BU. Uh, he still had an impact voice in, uh, with his teammates, and which ultimately believed that um, you know his inspiration and his you know tutelage, if you could say that, um, helped that core win. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of good things to 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 think about as the future comes, and I'm excited to see him. You know, I know the Bruins, and I know him, and I know his family are going to make the right decisions. But yeah. like again, I just don't want to see him rushed. Yeah. So you don't want to see his career ruined by coming here too early, right? And especially, there's no point in him coming here right now because, I mean, if we don't make the playoffs this year, I don't think we'll be contending next year. So what's the point in having him here when we're not contending? Yep. Why Why not bring him in three years down the line where the teams? Got a bit better. Yeah, and that that those are our projections. My projections yeah. are this team's going to probably make a serious playoff run in three to five years, which is yeah. in the wheelhouse of him getting out of out of college, which I think would trans would be a great transition for him and the team. And also, not just contending, like being a year after year contender. Yep. If they do this rebuild right, then it'd be a year on year contender. Yep. Now, now. Now, taking taking the expansion draft out of the scenario, okay, this is why I don't want to rush players, and fans need to pump the brakes on this, because you think and you see McAvoy as a great defenseman, 
But then you look at the roster. Then you look at the terms. You look at Kevin Miller and Adam McQuaid and their recent extensions. Mm-hmm. When McAvoy comes into the league, those guys are probably going to be going out. Yeah. So if McAvoy comes into the league next season, those guys are still under contract. And I don't want to see McAvoy be a ninth floor spectator getting right. one, one game see- every six or seven, you know. Yeah. That's no I way. I want to see 82 games out of him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why you have to make adjustments to the roster, your 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 NHL roster. Like you need to get rid of McQuaid or you need to get rid of the Miller or you trade Krug. You do what you have to do because, believe it or not, there's going to be a wave of defensemen coming in. Zborl, Lawson. Yeah, let's yeah. throw McAvoy in there, you know. So sooner or later, something's going to have to be done. And I, yep. I'm actually really looking forward to a Carlo, McAvoy's, Borrell, Lousen, you know, defensive core. That's going to be yeah. exciting. And then you've got a guy like Lindgren, who Ryan Lindgren. Yep. There's another big-bodied, tough defenseman. Yep. Stay-at-home so. type of guy that doesn't really get a lot of points at the University of uh, Minnesota. But will kill you if you have your head down coming up to the blue line. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. That that I think that's definitely what we need. A, a guy like him who pinches at the right times, takes guys' heads off. Because McQuaid isn't really that take your head off kind of player anymore. He's the push and shove I, kind of guy. Yeah, I mean he can push and push and shove and he can fight, but he's not that head down, my shoulders in your face type of player. Like and I, I don't think Miller is anymore. I think he's calmed down a bit, and I think he's taken on a role that he didn't need to in trying to teach some of the younger kids how to play. Right. And I, I don't think that's what he should be doing. I think that's what guys like Chara should be doing. So, and I mean, Chara is doing it with Carlo, but I mean, the the ta- it seems like players are taking on too much responsibility when they should just focus on their game and really push forward. So, But, like, everything comes down to patience. Yep. If if you can wait three years to see an amazing team, sure. But if you start trading guys off now, you're not going to see that in three years. Hey, no. uh, especially when guys are saying, oh, well, I mean, you could add, like, laws into the trade that's not going to affect us in the long run but what if the Borrell doesn't make it to the NHL and then Lawson does for a different team then you're going to hate the Bruins for trading him away I mean just patience with the guys they've never played NHL time they've never stepped foot in the NHL just let them have a bit of time and then watch them when they come up agreed agreed yeah Jesus, we're almost going on an hour and a half show here. For the second week running? <laughs> yeah, last week was uh, an hour and 20 minutes. This week is almost uh, an hour and a half. And I, I don't mind it. I love talking Bruins. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, but um, uh, I hate to say, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the Bruins are down 2 to nothing midway in the second period. And this this guy Connor Sherry, that's a, a mass native. He's he's a uh, he's a Bruins killer, and a fast little guy. There he <laughs> is. There he is. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully the Bruins can get back into this game. They get still got a halfway to go, but 
Anyway, um, oh, some more uh, kind of big news. Uh, we're now on Google Play or Google Music. or So if you guys, you know, use that for your podcast thing, uh, go to Google Play Music and um, uh, search for the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. And we're on there, too, along with SoundCloud and iTunes, as you all well know. Um one more time, if, uh, if you guys like to, you know, even though you guys can't purchase a beer for us, but, you know, we'd, we'd love donations to the show, uh, please go to www.patreon.com slash blackandgoldhockeypodcast, and we definitely appreciate it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at blackandgold277. You can find Rob on Twitter, at rob40bruins. Um... Again, we are the show sponsored by Beast from the East. And go to the website and uh, type in promo code Black and Gold for 15% off to our listeners. Um, good company. We're, we're working very well together, and they, they really like what we're doing. So that's pro- one of the reasons why we got the promo code because they, they, I believe they're seeing a little increase of uh, business. So they want to yeah. thank us and thank the fans. So. And some of those new T-shirt ideas they've just come out with are great. Yeah, yeah, so, I like it. Yeah. I like it. And uh, I'm currently working on um, um, an idea for a black and gold hockey podcast T-shirt that I'm going to send you. So, that is awesome. Yeah, so th- things are looking good. Things are moving up and only going to get better. Yeah. So uh, thank you very much to the fans that are always listening. We really appreciate your, your feedback. Um the listens we get about 400 to 500 listens a week and it's unbelievable you guys are amazing and we're worldwide you know we're going to japan australia denmark sweden canada mexico so thank you all we really appreciate it and uh we look forward to talking to you all next week take care everybody bye for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please join us next week for another discussion of Bruins hockey-related material.